Hey, this is Mike from Theology on Mission podcast. We record the podcast here at Northern Seminary in the suburbs of Chicago. And there's a few things happening at Northern that I want to let you know about. First, Taste of Northern. Taste of Northern is a little seminary appetizer. You can come here to campus or zoom in live over the interwebs and take a class for a day. See what it's like to get theological training, spiritual formation, and world-class instruction from some of our faculty here at Northern. If you're interested in seminary, you can find out more information about the taste at seminary.edu backslash taste. Second thing, San Antonio. That's right, San Antonio. Northern is now opening up a center in San Antonio, down in the Spurs country. So if you're living in the area, you can come to our open house this spring and find out more information at seminary.edu backslash San Antonio. All right, friends, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Gregory, curator and host of the Betwixt podcast. Have you ever wondered how transformation actually happens? Well, that's the guiding question at the Betwixt podcast, with fascinating guests like Walter Brueggemann, Tish Harrison Warren, Michael Card, Kathy Kong, and so many more. We open up the liminal spaces betwixt and between one thing and another. These are the practices, the people, the places that shape us, and where God cultivates deep transformation within us. So I hope you'll come on by and join the conversation. You can find us at betwixtpodcast.com, mistyoualliance.org, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's testing. good. Check, One, check, two, check. three. Testing. Yeah, now that's not I'm, too high. Hey, now I'm actually less volume than you. Perfect. Exactly. I know what you're trying to do. You see, we're getting really close. Testing. Testing. Wait, am I on the top or the bottom? You're on the, on the top. Yeah. No. You know, sometimes when I hear the music from the podcast, I, I feel the urge to let go a primal yelp. <laughs> Something like a charismatic, yeah, here we are again. <laughs> primal. <laughs> theology on Mission podcast, where theology meets mission. Yeah. For us, it is about, it's the equivalent of like leaving the locker room before a big game. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. You and I are uh, two peas in the same pod when it comes to uh, making the uh, sports analogies. Although, if I can digress, I hate those penguins. I hate them. I know. I hate the Pittsburgh penguins. I know you do. Do you do you use sports analogies when you preach? That's the one thing I refuse to do. I refuse to use any sports analogies when I preach, even I use, though I love sports. I use hockey analogies all the time, and they bomb every time because it doesn't seem like the People I hang out with have the foggiest idea what hockey is. Yeah, I think you just alienated 
75% of the people that are listening. Yeah, yeah. Last time I used a hockey analogy in class here at Northern Seminary, which, by the way, folks, we're in the very bowels of Northern Seminary in the library, down in the library in the Griffith... Uh, sound studio. Sound studio. And uh, anyways, when I, when I teach a class at Northern, I use a hockey analogy. Everyone's blank stares. They said it was a great <laughs> analogy, but no one understood it. <laughs> kind of discouraged. Yeah, it's discouraging. And I don't know how to transition from that into our topic for today. Well, let's first of all just say welcome everybody again to another Theology on Mission podcast where theology meets mission. We talk about the questions that come from engaging our culture for Christ and his kingdom. So we hope you'll enjoy another episode. Uh, today's episode came off of, uh, off, as it often does, Mike mm-hmm. Moore, uh, Facebook page. Yeah, your Facebook page is getting a lot of traffic. Oh, I don't know about that. But, you know, uh, the other day, I think it was two days ago, mm-hmm. I said these words, and it got a little kerfuffle going on the Facebook page. I always like a kerfuffle. A kerfuffle. A good kerfuffle. Um, and I said, quote, without exception, every good pastor goes through depression. The question is, who will they go through this depression with? Can I say that one more time? One more time. Without exception. I mean, okay, I must admit, I've been going through a little bit of depression the last mm, four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. And I just need to put out there, I just think depression is part of what every good pastor goes through. But the question is, can you go through it? Will you go through it? Uh, who will you go through the depression with? And I think these questions are, uh, well, evidently from the Facebook reaction, important. These questions yeah. are important and meaningful to a lot of uh, people and what they're doing. So um, I want to say depression's normal. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, make it uh, a trivial. Tri- right. I don't want to trivialize it, but I do want to say it's normal. It's part of the process. It's part of being a pastor. You have some initial comments before we kind of deconstruct and, and, uh, slice and dice and decipher what all this might mean for us. Yeah. When I mentioned on Facebook, we might do a podcast on this. It's the, it's the most interaction I've ever had before a podcast. Just for people sending me. Wait a minute on your Facebook. Yeah. Because your Facebook, I hate to tell you, it's it's kind of dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, <laughs> it, it, it's because people under the age of 40 don't use don't Facebook. Don't use Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <So> base. Sorry. <laughs> Way to go. Ba-boom. <laughs> that hurt. That, uh, that, I'm depressed now. I, no, I do not want to trivialize depression. I, yeah, okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, 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 a lot of people were engaging, asking questions, giving feedback. I actually just did a cohort call this morning with some of our master's students, and I brought up this topic. And the conversation was really rich. Uh, and, and somebody cited this study, and I looked it up, and it says that you know, around 70, 70, 80% of pastors admit to experiencing some form of depression. I know for me that was really early on in ministry, this dark night of the soul combined with depression. Have you, have you ever met that kind of pastor? I don't, even, I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about that kind of pastor who has never been through a depression in the ministry. Um, <laughs> I don't. I actually don't know if I have. I mean, I. I can imagine some who, uh, maybe you don't want to talk about it. 
because it's a sign of weakness, but I think most of the pastors I know have experienced like significant forms of mental illness or just sadness, depression. I mean, I think what you mentioned you're going through even for the last month, that's, that is just really typical. That's part and parcel to, to being in ministry. Yeah. Uh, I, for those of you who don't know out there, I, in my twenties, after I got out of seminary, I got a job on wall street and I worked in some large, uh, financial services firms. And there was a manager that I had in one of those firms who always used to say, if you asked him, how are you doing? He'd go, never had a bad day, Dave. <laughs> never had a bad day. <laughs> I go, I, yeah, I, you, I know what where was you, coming. You, you, <laughs> you, okay, folks, that I, I just did a bad thing. Uh, but what did you? What do you feel when you're with a pastor like that? Oh, I, yeah, you, you just feel like you have to put on this sentimental, syrupy, smiley face, and it feels pretty dis, disengaged and disingenuous. Disingenuous, and you yeah. really can't talk about anything, right, going on that makes you who you are. Yeah, so. At the least, we're trying to normalize it and say, "Hey, this is this is part of part of the ministry." So I want to talk about uh, I don't know three or four things yeah. that I think contribute to and make depression a very unique uh, a thing that happens. It's part of being in the ministry, mm-hmm. and then I want to talk about I don't know half a dozen things that I think we all can do better as pastors to make life sustainable and growing and uh, persevering through these times to actually grow and develop as Christians before our watching world. So let's start with this idea. Let's do it. Um, I believe the isolate... So this is my first Mm -hmm. thing about the peculiar uh, place of a pastor and why a pastor is often put in this regular uh, susceptibility, vulnerability, and peculiar vulnerability to it as a pastor. And it's this isolation that is peculiar to a pastor. It's this sense, I'm in this alone. I must bear the burden of this church and its leadership alone. And, um, you know, a lot of things contribute to that isolation. Yeah. Comment or, or question. Well, yeah, that a lot of that is contingent on the leadership structure of the church, right? If it's a pastor-centric church, if it's a CEO central a charismatic leader then you are going to be isolated uh, yeah and 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 just fyi i have rejected that whole model of pastorate and yet i still find yes. myself isolated yes i still find myself uh taking on a certain sense of responsibility identity and image uh making mm-hmm. uh that creates the uh poss- that creates the realities that make depression so real for a pastor. Yeah. I think in in your ministry at least from what I can see you had to be pretty proactive to I was going to say de-isolate yourself. Is that a word? Uh I like it if okay. it isn't we, we can make it okay. into one. Uh Ladies and gentlemen, theology on mission podcast yes. we like to announce an invention of a new word. Uh, Webster will be calling you right after yes. this. Uh, but but you had to work pretty hard to de-isolate yourself to put to put yourself in a position where you could actually be submitting to other people and, and be leading a lot of people. Why do you say that? People. Why do you say I had to work so hard? Well, because uh from This ought to be good. Yeah, from what I know about your ministry is you started out in kind of the the, the mega church culture. And, uh, and we're you, not going to mention that church, though. No, right? no, it wasn't but, Willow Creek, though. By no, the way. but but, but it's a mega church culture. But then you 
moved out of that and you chose to lead alongside other people in more of a plurality model. But I was still the, the like in, in Life in the Vine Church, <clears throat> which my wife and I planted, we, I was still the founding apostle. Yes, it yes. Was very yep. difficult yep. to I get know, into mutual I know that. relationships. You oh, know yeah. that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Same with my church. Yep. And, and so anytime you isolate yourself, uh, anytime there's that proneness, to isolate and take on the responsibility of everybody, uh, you're just prone to being disappointed. You're prone to being uh, judged. You're prone to being accused of stuff. You're prone to be disappointed with all the results. And so I'm sorry, even if you are the healthiest human being mentally on the face of the earth, I just don't see any way that you can avoid uh uh, depression. In fact, you, you know the routine. I mean, most of us have had a service of some kind of gathering on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. And most of us pastors of some kind have, I mean, I, even at Life in the Vine for the first several years, I was the, the sole preacher. Right. And, uh, you know, you'd leave after you'd yeah. Oh, you'd yeah. be either depressed about the oh, number yeah. of people who did not show oh, up, yes. the sermon didn't come off the way you wanted it to, you didn't have 50 people coming forward accepting right, Christ right, after right, the sermon, right. and no matter what you did, almost you'd, you'd have a letdown. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is part of, you know, and, and, and so I'm everyone, I just want to say to everyone out there, this is all part of the adjustment of being uh, a pastor for these new uh, challenges of ministry in our day. And I think you have to somehow work through these things. I can remember uh, on uh, starting planting Life in the Vine, and there were days when uh, 10 people were there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I would have to go, oh, gee. I'm thinking to myself, what am I even doing here? What am I, what am I, this reminds me of so many times when I'd say to God, why are you wasting my time? Right. Oh, you know, yeah. talk about. Yeah. I'm, I'm very valuable. Talk about the posture of arrogance mm-hmm. and, and how it leads to uh, depression. But, anyways, we've yeah. got to move on to the yes. next one. Yeah, number two, him uh, up. Number, the continual disappointment that pastors have. <clears throat> and again, this is normal. I'm not justifying it, but it is normal to have disappointment with people, with the church, with with moral failures in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, often the ones you are leading with, massive failures. Over and you're left with if you're if you're what we used to call the lead pastor, or in my case the apostle pastor, or even if you're even if you're pastoring with two or three other people, which is what I was doing for a lot of my time in the church planning world of the last twenty years, you're still just gonna walk away going, Oh, not again. Yeah, yeah. And it's I find it's not just my disappointment in people, it's also people's disappointment in me. Yes. Well, I'm going to get to that in point number three. Oh, oh. oops. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Oh, do you want to go to no. point number three? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, talk to me about point number yeah. three. I call it the problem of image management. And really, whether, you, whether you're consciously doing it or unconsciously doing it, I mean, when people put expectations on you, right. you have some response to that, and there's some you know uh, issue there of image management. So you're going to talk about people... Dis- disappointing. Yeah, yeah. People disappointing in you because you become uh, so aware of your inconsistencies between what you are saying and what you're preaching and how you actually live your life. And you, 
you see these gaps and then other people see the gaps and they can sometimes use that as leverage against you if they're disappointed in you, right? Yeah. So so you know when your name is going around on text threads and emails or you ever have people shoot you darts with their eyes when you're preaching? Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're preaching and they're just shooting darts at you. Um, you, you become aware of, of how, how people are disappointed with you or they're upset with you and you can't manage or f- fix everybody's problems or emotions. Yeah, you can't. And... Uh, uh, this past week, uh, yeah, last Wednesday, I was running a hockey practice, and uh, I got thirteen and fourteen year olds. It's mm-hmm. bantam in Canadian language. It's bantam, uh, okay. uh, and and I had a mass mutiny on my hands. Oh no! And no one, no one was listening to me, and I was getting more and more angry. And I was trying to teach them the basic uh, breakout pass, and uh, uh-huh, yeah. I mean, you would think they'd know this by now, but they're right. not doing it. And and. And I start saying, you people stink at this. You are the worst. <laughs> uh, I was depressed. Yeah, yeah. For two days. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that happens in the church all the time. Right, these ruptures. Yeah. And uh, and you walk away going, I am a failure. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, and uh, there were times... Uh, I haven't done this recently. I haven't preached at my church in about three months. I'm due. I'm I'm due up again in March. So okay. maybe this will be. And it's during Lent, so who knows what's going to come Lucky out. You. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I used to get up and kind of. And my and Rayanne used to be unhappy with this, but I used to just get up and say, "My wife and I had the worst fight. No one. I I didn't even know if we were going to make it last night. Mm-hmm. Just to, mm-hmm. just to get people to realize." Yeah. I'm as screwed up as the rest oh, of yeah. you. Oh, and yeah. we're in this together. Right, right. And please quit putting me on a pedestal. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I have to preach so much on this issue is because this is me and my problem, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and maybe I'm the only one with the problem, but we'll find out here at the altar call. <laughs> right, <you know? laughs> right, right. Come join me. <laughs> so, uh, like, just a massive prob- problem of managing the, yeah. the, 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 people's expectations and, and the fact that you're failing to live up to what you're saying. Yes. And, uh, I don't know. I'm going to talk here about, a, about a bunch of things. Okay. Uh, so, so, so now you're going to move us into maybe some of the postures and practices for. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, what, how much time are we? Uh, 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 uh I would say we're about 15 minutes in. Oh, okay. Well, we'll go another 15. Then. Okay. Uh, we'll be a little longer today, but, but you know, I, I also just want to, uh, mention lastly that there is a I think you've already mentioned this mm-hmm. it's not just people's unhappiness with you but it's people's unhappiness with the church and sometimes we take that personally because we're yeah. one of if not the sole leader of the church mm-hmm. and so it's often your leadership that is taking the hit yeah. and if you've built your identity around being this great leader you've gone to Global Leadership Summit you've read all the books mm-hmm. you're in, you're the greatest leader all the metrics say A, B, and C and then you get you know crapped on yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I am telling you folks um, I just don't know another um, I want I, I don't believe the ministry is a profession but I don't know another profession that has to go through what you and I have just described Mm -hmm. in the last 15 minutes. And so I really believe that pastors have to have a different way of navigating their uh, vocational life Mm -hmm. in ministry. Yeah, vocational life and also family, friendships, 
economics. It's all kind of connected That's together. That's all part of it. That's all part of managing it, I think. Yeah. And, and we might not even get into the finances, but the finances are a big part of this too, I think, for a lot oh, of pastors. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I firmly believe, like I, when we talk about church planting, mm-hmm. when we talk about setting people up into church planting, sustainability has got to be taken care of yes. financially. And, and uh, you know, I prefer the bivocational mode right. of operating. I don't prefer, when we're talking about church planting now. Yeah. I even prefer, if you're, if you're a pastor with a congregation that can sustain you, I think you still ought to have all, alternate means of, of making a living. Mm-hmm. I just think it's healthier that way. Yep. But we've opened up a can of worms, and right. everyone's going, what are they talking about? Let's get back on the main topic. Pull us back um, in, okay. Yeah. G- give me some of those practices and postures. So, so I don't know if you're part of a denomination. I know you are, yeah. and I am. I don't know if them out there are all part of a denomination. Mm-hmm. But uh, the district superintendents in in my denomination, I think, do a pretty good job of checking in with the spiritual uh, health, mental health, even financial health of the pastors. Mm -hmm. But can I say that you might be going through a lot, months and months of this kind of um, um, difficulty. I don't want to call it torture, but it feels like torture. Yeah, yeah. And one visit from the district superintendent will help. And a lot of people only have that person to talk right, to. Right. But it is just not the solution. It's not enough. It's just not. It's just a check-in, how you doing, and I'll be here for when the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? and, well, and for a lot of district superintendents or regional pastors, they they can only come and sit down with you once every six months. Because, I mean, those women and men are stretched really thin as well. Oh, it's amazing. They're the ones who uh, probably are going through a lot of depression. Right. right. And and I, I just want to say that, you know, in my denomination, there's an average of 60, 70 churches, maybe 100 churches in a, in a district. And <laughs> there's only 365 days in a year. Think right. about that. And right. So um, anyways, uh, I, I, I applaud the work of the district superintendents and the and the regional executives and and but it, i'm sorry that's not going to be enough for you to be it helps but it's not enough so the second thing i want to just talk about and then i want to get your reaction to this Mike, sure is in in my life uh nothing has become more important to me than uh, a table fellowship every week yeah, where we sit yeah. around and we uh, drink a beverage and we eat and we share our lives mm-hmm. and um and you and ask three questions. Well, Are you angry? No, 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 no. That's to get people but, to come to the table. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. That was a lot well, last week's podcast. <laughs> but, but, but I think those are good questions to ask around the table. Yes. Right? I actually do think, but our table gets just into sorting out okay. uh, stuff in our lives off of questions that mm-hmm. come from scripture, Bible study, sermons. Or, or just everyday life. Yeah. And, but, but whatever the case might be, we are talking through our issues. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's amazing. Sometimes you can tell people don't want to talk about an issue and they right. just end up leaving for like a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Hey, where did Joe go? Yeah. Oh, he's with the kids. Oh, okay. But yeah. y- y- you know something's going on. And, mm-hmm. and to have a table where you can be comfortable and submit one to another and just say what's going on. Right. I find just saying it and getting people's recognition, getting it out there, and it's amazing how it changes my disposition mm-hmm. and my posture and my mental framework and my emotional 
um, you know, frame of mind. I think it's amazing. So I, I'm telling you, when we first moved to Westmont from, from uh, Life in the Vine, um, our table, we had a terrible house situation. We bought a house that was a fixer-upper. We, we, it took us about a year to get it so we could live in. <laughs> it's like it. a money pit we, situation We were living here. in like two rooms, but yeah. the table was sitting there in the room, and it wasn't put up, and we were at other people's, you know, and we were, we were hurting because we didn't have that table fellowship. Yeah, yeah, yep. Most important part of your house right there. I just really think, folks, pastors, I would not plant a church or pastor a church without a close-knit table fellowship. Uh, there was a guy on, on Facebook this week that said, and it really grieved me. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, sorry. We um, have a list here of Facebook responses. Yeah. Oh, oh, is it the bottom of the first page here? Uh, the very last one? No. Okay. No, that's not the one I was thinking of. Uh, I can edit this stuff out, too. Oh, uh, uh, well, anyway. Oh, I can't find it, but he he tells the story about how he told somebody in his congregation, a friend, mm-hmm. uh, what he was going through. And it was the biggest mistake of his life. That friend spread it around the church. Oh, because they used it as leverage against and, him. Yeah, and that, that's, that just messed everything up. That's terrible. Yeah. And and yet, so you do have, Stanley Hauerwas says, uh, I wouldn't know I'm a Christian without my friends. Okay, that was a Stanley Horowitz invitation. <laughs> and and I, I'm telling you, if you don't have friends, yeah. you don't even know who you are. Half the time. Yeah, it, and, and I read today that 90% of pastors say they don't have a close friend they can talk to. Nine, you, you nine, read nine, that? Yeah, it was in that, it was in that do- oh, right. This sorry, is so sorry impossible. Oh, wait, sorry, seven, 70%. Yeah, could you get your numbers? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 70, 90. There's a big difference they're, between they're 70 close, and 90. They're close. 70%. Yeah. But that's a, yeah, that's a high percentage. So friendships are an important part, too. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is like the one thing to say to everybody out there, and I have found it to be so important in my life. You've got to have friends. Yeah. And you've got to have trusted friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so often the pastor is told you can't have friends in the congregation. That's BS. Yeah, that's not funny. You have to cultivate good friends. It's going to take you a while, especially if you're new to the church, but you're going to figure that out over time, and that's going to be the lifeline by which God is going to work in your life, mm-hmm. sanctify your life, where you're going to become a real person. Uh, we can't be Christians without good friends. Yes. And if we can't be Christians without be, having good friends, we cannot be pastors without yeah. having yeah, good amen. friends. That's good. Yeah. What else you got here on the list? I see a few uh, more I got, things. I got a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot of times we might need a good therapist to get through what we got to get through till we have those good friends. Right. Even if we have good friends, you know, uh, on the on the podcast, and I've really done a bad job finding uh, uh, the quotes from Facebook, but we don't need That's them okay. anyways. Uh, but on on Facebook, there was a quote about, um, you know, how do we discern uh, depression or clinical depression? Mm-hmm. from everyday life sadness. Right. And and I argued there's an overlap. Mm-hmm. And 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 I don't know that it's that easy to discern. But it it requires I think more than just a therapist. It requires sure. friends to say, you know, I see something in you. It seems to be out of whack. It's been going there for a long time. You're on edge. Mm-hmm. You're on edge. I think maybe this is clinical and you need to get checked out and you need to get some good advice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay. Right. And we're going to pray with you, and we're going to walk 
through this with you, and we're going to get you through this, mm-hmm. and you're going to be okay. And Jesus is Lord, and I and I just think that's an important part yeah. of of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not the end all be all, but it's a it's a good tool. It's a good resource to have alongside of relationships, friendships. Okay, now I got another thing here: marriage. You're, marriage. You're pretty. You're pretty. Ma- marriage well. will as solving depression or <laughs> well okay you better be careful because are you one year yet uh no we're seven months seven months yeah yeah let me just tell you i mean i think uh you know you and grace have this figured out but uh pastors a lot of times don't have it figured out yeah and and the wife has got to be with the pastor mm-hmm. uh or the husband's got to be with the pastor if the woman if the pastor is a woman mm-hmm. uh, the spouse has got to be with the pastor yeah and uh Oh, oh, we know Tara Beth Leach and and, mm-hmm. and the wonderful support her husband is. Uh, but if you and, and I'm just thinking about all the people we know that have wonderful uh, families and and marriages. But often, if the wife or the husband is not with the spouse who is a pastor, um, it's 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 a it's a pro, it's it's don't go into ministry without having that figured out. Yeah, without having you and your spouse on the same page about being called into ministry. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's just not possible. Yeah. 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 You, you and I are both very fortunate. And I think it makes I think a it makes you feel all the more alone if your spouse yes. is not with you, and b it puts added pressure on your marriage if your spouse is not with you. Right. So that's that's something. That, uh, I mean, maybe if your spouse if you and your spouse are not together on this, take a break and work it out because mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think long term. Of course, some of the greatest pastors in my denomination. Had terrible marriages, by the way. Oh, really? Well, A.W. Tozer's kind of famous for it. Yeah. A.B. Simpson's okay. kind of famous for it. Some of the greatest pastors never were married. You also have that. That's a strong possibility. Apostle Paul. Who? Paul. Uh, Who's he? New Testament. It's confusing. <laughs> I, know, I know. All right. Uh, uh, what about this, though? Mutual leadership. Okay, I yeah. I believe if we take the pastor out of the lead, senior, top dog uh, posture mm-hmm. and we put him or her among and work alongside other pastors sure and we share the load i just found that to be so freeing oh abs- absolutely i i was talking to a friend who's pastoring a church in ohio and he preaches i think 48 weeks out of the year which is I couldn't do that. That's just so much. That's so much of a load on one person. Uh, I'm using preaching as a pretty easy, easy example. But like, I mean, you said you haven't preached in your church in how many months? Four. Four months. What? A, like, mm-hmm. what? What? A, I did preach in December. How many okay. months is that? Okay. A couple of times in December. That's but. right. Two months ago. But but what a gift it is for you and for your church for you to not have to be up there preaching every Sunday and to be the yeah, what guy. a gift to my church that they don't yeah, have no, to listen it to me is. preaching. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a gift because you're acknowledging that the Spirit's been poured out on other people to proclaim but the even, good news. Even for those uh, pastors out there who who need to take the primary preaching load, um, yes. if you have two other pastors that you're pastoring with who are not under you but are alongside you and are carrying the load with you um man uh sharing the load and hearing one another's 
you you can go you can go on one leg or you know with one arm behind your back right. or uh, very debilitated for a long time because you have other people mm-hmm. that can carry the load for that time and it just just releases you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I urge every pastor, whether you are now a lead pastor or not, find, rearrange. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll just change your ministry and your church and say, we're going to go now to a mutual pastorhood. We're yeah. going to have two or three other yeah. pastors. That takes, a, that takes a long time. That can take decades to ch- change a church's culture like that. Really? I, I, I think oh, so. Oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm just disappointed to hear that because okay. that's the only way I've pastored. Yes, uh, you and I are both fortunate, but I think there are a lot of people, who, you know, who, who are listening and and they are in that model where they are the guy or uh, the gal who's leading the church. Um, but to slowly bring people alongside you is the process of just giving power away yes. little bit by bit and empowering other people in their giftings. Yeah, and so I want to talk about power dynamics for a minute. For a minute because, you know, um, I think that uh, a lot of us lead by coercive power, whether it's coercive or not. It's trying to get people to do mm-hmm. what we want. And we're continually frustrated when we get resistance or people disagreeing with yeah. us or um, just people not going along with our plan. And we, I believe, so that's a source of depression, mm-hmm. disappointment, sadness. Uh, it's a, it's a, what? You mean you're not going to listen to me? And I have been there so many times when I just yeah, walk yeah. away going, what am I doing here? Yeah. Why are people not listening? <laughs> I, I got to get out of here. I'm done. I am so oh, done. Man. I've done and, that. And I believe these are the moments where we have to relieve ourselves of this control mm-hmm. uh, uh, technique or this, uh, what do you call it? Coercion. Uh, control freakness. Yeah. And we have to give in and let God's power at work and give it up and just be okay with that. Go to bed. It's not all nice and 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 with a bow tie on the box and everything's okay. Wait, mm-hmm. uh, a bow. Uh, yeah, wrapped bow. In... A bow that has been bow tied on a box. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all wrapped and nice and nice packaged. No, right. actually it's going to be messy. And, and we're going to lead in the middle of that, and we're going to lead people to Jesus yes. and discern what he's doing, and we can just pray. And we can be okay through that time. We might not be seeing a lot of results or a lot of uh, fruit from our ministry. Mm-hmm. Actually, these are the times when we just got to trust the Lord. So the power dynamics have to change. Uh, and I believe moments of depression are a call to give up control of the things yes. we thought oh, amen. God wanted That's to do. That's a good word right there. I, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And this, so I know we've thrown a lot out, and I know we're running over time, but detox. Can you detox yourself regularly from identifying yourself, your ego identity, from success in ministry? Okay, say a little more. Um, I believe, and it's just natural. It's natural uh-huh. for me. Hey, look, I'm I'm a church planter. I do uh, uh, multi uh, multiple uh, leadership groups. Right. I never lead as a, I I do a lot of things. I'm already talking about. Still, yeah, my ego gets trapped into getting I um, getting my sense of identity from success. Right. Right. Whether it's preaching, whether it's leading this thing, whether it's being recognized for this, whether people tell me I'm a great guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. blah blah yeah. blah blah blah, and and every and we regularly have to give that up, so that Jesus can be Lord in the situation, and there will be times when your the fruit of your life 
and the 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 affirmation of who you are that God is using you will be there, but mm-hmm. a night might not be right now. Right. Yep. Can you walk through it? Yeah. This is read the Old Testament. The prophet, they're full of situations yes. where uh leaders of multiple different types had to go through this regularly. And yeah. I just think we have to take it as, you know, like 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 those of us who are trying to lose weight and get uh, in good condition, we have to go on the treadmill mm-hmm. uh, three four times a week. I don't do it, by the way. But uh, like the treadmill for right. the person trying to get in shape, we have to regularly detox from identifying who we are in our ego uh, through success yeah. in ministry in n- numbers of different ways. Yeah, and those and those moments are, I think, invitations and opportunities for prayer. And I'm I'm not saying. Just pray it away. You're gonna pray. It's gonna it's gonna be better. But, but, as you're saying it, it's a sign. It you know kind of a smoke signal that, that, that the Lord is doing something that we can release control and that we can s- submit to God and what God wants to do. And what better way to start than by entering with prayer? And by the way, these moments are often the moments where God breaks in and does something mm-hmm. new, and transforms not only you but the congregation. Yes, and then you have a testimony. And reason to give him praise. It's amazing. Uh, my last point will be uh, something from John Massamy out there in Brantford, Ontario. Oh, no, hey, he's John. in Kitchener. Uh, he says, when this happens, I get my cigar and, <laughs> and beer, uh, and we go sit around a campfire with my friends and talk. That's good. Man, I could go for a cigar and a beer and a campfire right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh well okay i don't highly recommend smoking a lot of cigars it's bad for you i don't i i recommend cheap beer and stop it too but folks that sounds so good do you have regular times where you have cigar and beer around a campfire with your friends and talk through life uh not cigar and beer but but my regular habits mostly involve getting outside and hiking in the with mountains. friends in the mountains yep this sounds like an isolation activity. I'm going to no, go. No, no, my... yeah, no. I, uh, yeah, I'm with friends, F- okay. friends and my and my wife. I'm talking about something we can do in the backyard or on the deck. Oh yeah, yeah. That's regular um, meals I have with my friends. Meals, mm-hmm. but but hey, cigars, beer. <laughs> You're really pushing the cigar thing here. <laughs> I'm just saying, folks. Be in the presence of one another. Support one another. Care for one another. And allow God to use our friendships for the kingdom of God. You can't, in the words of Stanley Howard, mm-hmm. you can't be a Christian without friends. I wouldn't know I'm a Christian apart from my friends. Okay, That's good. You so, honored you honored Stanley very well there. All right, folks. I hope this has been helpful to you. I hope uh, it's helpful to me. I yeah, it's helpful yeah. to you. Massively helpful. And you meaning Mike Moore. Mm-hmm. And um, that's it for for another edition of Theology on Mission podcast. Yeah. Do you have any announcements before uh, we close? Just uh, what we talked about last week. Fleming Rutledge is coming here. Theology and Mission and, lectureship. And, with, and she's going to talk on soteriology and mission. Going to be great. And we're, you know, we're, we're, getting, we're getting quite the response. Dude, so. I have a little problem with forensic view of the atonement. You got to bring that up with her when she and sits down on the podcast. Forensic and the narrow reformed view of the atonement. I, I, folks, don't turn the podcast off. Come back <laughs> next week. But she's going to bring it on that subject and say how this, uh, her version of it, uh, well, her her reformed Anglican version of right. it, uh, you have to have it for mission. 
And then McKnight's going to be around. We all know how he feels about the atonement. Mm -hmm. King Jesus Gospel, if you haven't read it. Uh, and Greg Boyd's going to be around. Yeah, you all know it's Christus Victor for Greg Boyd. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful two days to explore this very important issue of soteriology and mission. Yeah, Don't great. miss it. Does it cost anything? Uh, $5, per, $5 per lecture. Five bucks? Per lecture. That's a great deal. It's an, it's an amazing deal. If it's, you're a student? It's free. If you're a student, uh, hit me up. At Northern Seminary? Yeah, if you're a student. Or if you're a student anywhere? Uh, if you're a student anywhere. You can come for free. Mm -hmm. Folks, I hope you make it. What's the date? Uh, it is June uh, 5th to 6th. Yeah, go on the website and find out. Yeah, great. We really want to see everybody out here. Mm -hmm. And M more, Mike Moore will be dressed up. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to be. Hopefully I'll have a haircut. Yeah. And me, uh, I'll be my same. You're right. And we'd just love to meet all of you from the Theology Mission Podcast. So one more time, folks. Uh, so great for you to be uh, with us listening. If you have a chance to give us a review on iTunes or whatever play platform you use to listen, please do. Uh, we'll be back next week. I don't know what we're talking about yet, but I'm sure it'll be good. It'll probably be off Mike Moore's Facebook page. <laughs> right. But uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Until then, it's over now. Dave Fitch. Mike Moore. So long.